Good evening, Internet, and welcome to a very special part one of two on this fantastic day. Uh, we are looking at episode 35 right now of Kenter at Your Own Risk, where Kent and Chris talk about episode nine of season one of House of the Dragon, The Green Council. We will immediately be completing that and going into episode 36, our discussion on the Mummy franchise. Well, immediately for us, you probably will have a little bit of delay. But stick around with us for that. Um, it's my birthday, and I am drinking. Uh, and Kent has been very sick this week, so let's give him a break. Yeah, if I say something completely off the beaten path, man, it's... 105 temperature, man. It's a good time. It's it's really funky. <laughs> Would you say you possibly stepped off the Feetin path? <laughs> so it begins. <laughs> I think it began when I saw uh, Jim's responses to to your uh, question on this week's blog. Oh gosh, I, I you know I haven't even read what he wrote yet. Uh, I, I already I already know what the last response is going to be about. I I don't have to question it. There is it's, no questioning that. No. Maybe maybe Ellison should be. Uh, gosh, I do actually have a question about that. That's kind of unrelated, but. Is there any significance to the tattoo on her leg? I, if there is, I don't know. Okay. I mean, really, that's what I was trying to focus on, because I find feet gross, and so, yeah. Well, we'll one person did. (laughs) One person, okay. All right. Well. All right, so... Basically, this is another... This episode has a lot of moving parts, but not too many scenes. Um, And again, your notes are probably better than my notes, but um, it starts, and if I remember correctly, we get the servants uh, Uh, kind of rushing through the palace. Yeah, basically the king is dead, and Allison wants to keep everything quiet while talking to Otto. It's a it's a little boy first, if I remember correctly, and he goes and talks to Telia, and then Telia lets Allison know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So we get like a probably like a good minute, minute and a half of just watching people wander around through the the castle before we kind of get. Well, I mean, we get clued in as soon as we see Telia, right. uh, and she tells Allison, and then Allison goes and tells Otto. And tells him that, yeah, of course, you know, in Viserys' right mind, you know, not being, you know, under the influence of drugs or pain or delusions or the fact that his brain is rotting, he told me he wants Aegon to be king. And that sets off, you know, the rest of the series. <laughs> Basically, that uh, one thing. I, I'm still... I, I understand that in her mind she wanted wanted it to be about Aegon. But in in all reality, if you just piece just pick apart that scene uh on his deathbed, at what point if you if you're her, like if you're not trying to convince yourself otherwise and you just hear what the old man's saying, 
how in your warped little mind do you come come to the conclusion? I, I I'm still baffled by that, but whatever. I, and then people are like, Allison's innocent. I'm like, no, she had a hint at the very least of being like, oh, talking about my boy. Okay, yeah, this is what we wanted. If you listen to what he's actually saying, he's not talking about his son. He's talking about his ancestor. Cool. I mean, that that's fucking. I saw Aegon coming across the water, conquer. You know, I mean, that's unless her son's like planning on going over to Pentos. That's that's not what's going on here. So she's just I, hearing what she wants to hear. I I do think that at one point in this episode he did want to go to Pentos. You're absolutely correct, but she didn't know that. Right? No, and she was. I don't know. I I I hate how sometimes. You know, like, they paint this vision of... Allison keeps getting, like, painted over into, like, a different person sometimes in this series. Sometimes she's misinnocent, and other times there's parts where it's just like, no, you're not that dumb, lady. I really think this this fucking episode answered a lot of those questions in a lot of subtle ways that I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't pick up on. But yeah, we'll get to them as we go. I mean... I mean, we'll, we'll get to them as we limp along. Yes. I like limping. <laughs> Anyways, um, like, for Otto, this is like the best news he's ever fucking heard. He's like, all right, yeah! <laughs> Has Otto officially turned into the the star of the show? Well, uh, at this point, with Patty being dead... Otto is probably one of the two biggest names left between um, him and Matt Damon, S- right? Yeah, him and him and Damon. You know, Matt Smith and him. So, yeah. I, I was as I was watching, I was like, "No, Otto's become his own man right now. Like he's really, if he's not one, he's two at the very least. I would say. Yeah, I mean." I still think it's more going to focus about Renera and a- Allison, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it, oh, it's weird because you know you look at like all the people who had the star power at the beginning of Game of Thrones, and then look at the people who are getting more regular work now at the end. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so from there we go to the um, council, correct? Do we know? Yeah, you may even call it. A green council? A green council, like the title of the episode. (laughs) Look at Uh, that. Anyways, um, I got to throw it up. My my second choice, if something later in this episode hadn't happened for our honorary award, week by week on the blog, would have gone to Lyman Beesbury. (sighs) Yeah, I I know. I'm... (sighs) He's going to get mentioned in in my spiel. I, I know he's going to because... He owned it, man. He owned... this. I mean, there was a lot going on in this scene, and yet, I think, at the end of it, I still walked away going, good on Lyman. You know, um, I just love the fact that Allison's like, wait, have you guys all been conspiring behind my back, and I'm just finding out about this now? Uh, duh. Are we sure she's not blonde? I mean... Damn it! She that was like the most oblivious moment. Uh, is that the most oblivious moment in, in this show's here, short history? 
Um, I don't think so. I'm sure there's been been ones. I mean, like Viserys not realiz- realizing that you know his <laughs> the boys his daughter. Strong. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Very very strong boys. <laughs> I I did like that they called Viserys Vis- Viserys the peaceful. I, I like that. It reflect it reflects well on everything that Viserys really tried to do, but in the end of the at the end he actually caused kind of the polar opposite with you know, his final you know, whatever days. Yes. Yes, by refusing to just put his foot down. Right. Um so yeah, we get Kristen again murdering somebody in cold blood and not facing any repercussions for it. He, he's living his best life right now. Uh, I'm really yeah. glad that, that Harold Westerling stood up for, you know, what was right, kind of, sideways. Maybe maybe he really didn't, but at least he threw his cloak off and said, you know, come back to me when there's a real king. Peace out, bitches. I, I mean, he's going to go over to Dragonstone, right? You think? Or do you think he's just not going to show up for a bit? I, you know, I don't know. I don't. I would assume that, like, yeah, like I was really surprised that they just let him go when it was apparent that they were going to be like murdering everybody else who who was going to le- try to leave, kind of shit. Which it, it makes me wonder how much of a badass is Westerling because we have not seen him. I mean, obviously he's a badass, but we haven't seen it yet at all, have we? We have not. But I mean, then again. Jamie was the commander of the King's Guard when he was only one-handed, so... This is true. But Jamie also would have taken out, you know, damn near anybody in a sword fight with one hand, after he learned it. Uh, well, maybe. I mean... I still believe that that was more of a political slash sexy boy appointment, but... I'm all about the sexy boy appointment. (laughs) Um... And then I don't remember where we went to immediately following the council. Um, Otto and Al start looking for Aegon, and we see Helena with her two toddlers, so that's a thing. Yes. And Helena gives a line saying that there's a beast beneath the boards. And I, I don't think she's psychic. I just think she's... Creepy. No, she's psychic. No. I'm going to go down in flames on that one. I bet you will. I, I have no problem going down on the dumbest things possible, and that, that'll be something I hang my hat on. You have no problem going down on feet? <sighs> no. God, no. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one to talk about. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Apparently, and I did not know this... Although I've found out since then, um, there's also a fourth child, uh, the youngest brother out of the four siblings that Alicent and Viserys had. Wait, who, there is who is supposed, yeah, who is, guess is at this point is going to school or being educated in Hightown and will be back next season. The producer said. Oh. Well, so, good. so I I'm mean, there's another another child it. that we've never even heard of, you know, who will be involved in this shit. <sighs> okay. I mean, we don't even have names for the two little ones we just saw, right? Yeah, for the new heir and heir apparent to the kingdom. 
Yeah. yeah. We don't have names for them. Yep. Some there there are some things that have been done poorly this season and getting names out of people's mouths like not knowing the names of Lena's daughters for a while. Yeah. Stuff like that. You up your game, guys. It's I want to say it's probably one writer's job to do that, and that's the one that's failing on a weekly basis. Oh shit, I forgot they didn't didn't introduce these people again. His name's probably Russ. Or Russ's mom. Ooh, but she always gets the job done. <laughs> I was going to make a response, and then you said that. And I was, uh, anyways, um, so that's a little scene there. Uh, yeah, I really don't think she's psychic. Well, she's def Okay. She's definitely you- different. Would you say, like, the other theory is that she's, at the very least, autistic, which I can see how they're trying to portray that. I could I see, don't know. I could see that, you know, being on the spectrum. for but. Yeah. I, But you know what? The story's so much cooler. She's clairvoyant, and we don't have much magical whimsy, you know, once you get past the dragon, so I'm all for it. I need a Melisandre in my, in my show. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're getting one. But if you want to hold on to that hope, you do so, Kent. I'm not going to break your heart on this particular Good. case. Um, so then we go into basically what's, what, like the next two-thirds of the episode? The hunt for Aegon? Oh, my gosh. The hunt for Red October here? Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah. So I want to throw you a question. Go on. Answer me this. Based upon where we ended last episode... What did you expect to be happening with, um, you know, uh, like Renera and and Damon and their children? What did I expect? Uh, I expected them to. I'd actually, I actually expected to see them in some capacity this week. Uh, but being that as it may, uh, I, I'm surprised that they managed to get out but apparently they left before his death, but I fully expected them to be hunted down. Because, like, I expected them to be fucking sleeping when this happened, since this was only supposed to be, like, what, two hours after the fucking dinner that they were all at? Well, that's that's where I'm wondering, like, did Rhaenyra just get them out, like, hey, you guys got into a fight with your cousins, we're leaving right now, like, we're not packing up our stuff. Like, her whole thing was, you know, uh... Allison's like, no, stay, stay, stay. And she's like, you know, you know what? Let me get the kids. I'll take the kids home and then I'll come back on Dragon Back. I wasn't expecting them to leave that night. I was, I was thinking more like, okay, in the morning, you know, we'll, we'll pack up and go and then we'll, I'll come back, you know, it'll be a couple days, but I'll get back here. Like, seriously, did they just leave on ship that quickly? Yeah. And, and I mean, not only that, but like, if it was that short a time period, I'm like, I don't understand why Otto wasn't like, hey, Send the fucking fleet out. Go burn the fucking ship down before they get to their dragons. Yes. Uh, that There was something very wrong in the time timeline here that they just conveniently overlooked, I, I believe. Maybe maybe there was a time jump at the end of the last episode and we didn't get like the two weeks between like when Viserys laid down in his bed and when he actually died. Even better, maybe he laid down in bed and died and nobody went in there for like two weeks. It must have smelled great in there. 
Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm not the only person who's like, what the fuck's going on here? No, because once again, there there's a few things that are really bad with the writing, and that falls under that category. For me, it's like my pro- big problem with um, jump from uh, Force Force Awakens to the the Last Jedi. You know, I could accept the Last Jedi story if I understood how we got there, but where we end at Force Awakens and where we start at the Last Jedi, there's no correlation between the two spots. So I, I end up questioning what's going on. Same thing here. Like the last thing we get right before the scene where Viserys dies and well, gives his little speech to Alicent is Alicent and Rhaenyra kind of like apologizing to each other at dinner after their kids, you know, were a bunch of assholes to each other. And then this, you know, like I, I almost expected, you know, like when we see Rainey's locked in later on in the episode, I almost expected to be like, how come that didn't happen to Rhaenyra and Damon? Right. That okay, so it wasn't until that scene where I see, which is you know another scene away, but that is exactly what prompted my thought process of, all right, if she's getting locked in, then certainly Rhaenyra and family's still there because clearly they didn't all ride via dragon, like we know that, so they took a boat, they. I can't imagine that they set sail at like 10 p.m. at at night, you know, Eastern Westeros time. <laughs> yeah, uh, they caught the the red eye boat. Right. I mean, why would they ever depart that late at at night? There'd yeah, be no it makes it makes no sense. But that's the only thing that could have possibly happened in order for this episode to make sense. <sighs> yeah. Um, okay, so basically. And I think this is a pretty interesting dichotomy of the way they go about it and what we see during the course of this. But we get Eric and Eric. Eric and I, I, I like going with Eric and Arik, but I know it's not quite Arik. Uh, every time I hear somebody named Eric, I just think of Blowers. So I'm thinking we go Little B and Big B, uh, and then we got <laughs> we got okay. Cri- Kristen and Amond. As the other team, one of them's looking to find Aegon to bring him to Otto first, and the other's looking to find Aegon to bring him to Alicent first. And I want to be like, the only real difference that's going to happen is he's going to get slapped by one person and not slapped by the other. So I love the fact that the the one faction is already working at cross purposes within the own its own faction. Yeah, yeah, it it really was. This was the amazing race of House of Dragon. What an odd concept that they gave us. So we get, you know, unique insights into what's going on. Like Aegon, I will admit, seemed just like kind of like a humble, poor boy. Like, hey, I'm, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to take advantage of my celebratard status to uh, get what I can. And then we find out that he's been like making bastards all over the place and his bastards are being forced to fight in like child fucking, uh, gladiator pits. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a, like a little dark stain on him there. 
Yeah, that whole, like, oh, we're just going to sharpen kids' teeth and let their nails grow out and, oh, wow. Like, it's not vicious enough when we do it with dogs, so we just fucking turn kids feral and have them murder each other. Yeah, yeah, it, that, that, you know, just when we get bad writing, then they're just like, you know, if we give them something crazy enough, they might just forget. So, that, that's the theory right there. And then we get a very clear example of the fact that, like, Amond knows absolutely nothing about, <laughs> excuse me, about his brother. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically wants to be king now. And as he says, he's probably the more deserving one. Absolutely. He, he's the one taking this seriously, not doing much. Oh, if I wish, if I wish, I wish you wouldn't could see what he's going to be doing in the next couple seasons. Um, all right. Yeah, maybe you don't want to see it. Anyways, um, so we go into the point where we get, uh, this chick's brand new, right? The, the one who comes up and says, oh, I work for the white worm. Yeah, we haven't met her yet. So we get another example of a poor person uh, working for, lack of the word, you know, a better word, like the basic this vers- house's version of a uh, uh, master of whispers. You know, so far the closest right. thing that we've gotten. Um, and she sets up a meeting between Otto and Miseria. Did we have any other scenes back in in the keep between? We, okay. So yes, we missed the two things. Yeah, we missed Rainies, and we also missed when Amon and Crispin talked to the one, I don't know if she was a head whore or whatever. There was the great line from Aeg, uh, Aegon told Amon, time to get it wet. I really, really enjoyed how he said that line more so than the line itself. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's... That's that's like a coming of age line. Everybody hears that line at least once. Yeah. If you're a dude, uh, I mean, growing up in the we, '80s, in the '90s, probably, probably like, not so much can, now. Like the Rainies thing. I mean, right now, all it is is the whole scene was she realizes she was locked up and she looks out the door and Laris was around. That was really it. So that's why you know it, it's yeah. a scene, but yes, that's the stage for later. So basically, at this point is when we transition back to the keep to get the one with between Rainies and Allison. If I'm correct, somewhere uh, somewhere in this area. Right now, uh, beyond this, Otto is now in the room full of the lords and demand that they bend the knee, which gives okay, yes, the new character Alan or Alum. I think it's Alan, Lord Alan Caswell. He was the last guy to bend. The bald guy. I think he was bald, right? The one who gets hung. Yeah. Okay, the one we met last week. Oh, he did mean it? He, oh, was, okay. he was the one who showed up, the only one who showed up to Rhaenyra to and Damon. Yeah. To yeah. Them. Um, we met a couple of new people, though, before that, the, the people that said they wouldn't. House fell, and yeah. a lady, I didn't quite get who she was. Lady, probably not going to be around anymore. Oh, yeah. La- lady, don't have much time left on this world. But... So Otto's going strong in the uh, the whole fucking militant fucking kill all your enemies 
dance before shit starts. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they just got swept away if they didn't. And, I mean, whether they got imprisoned or just put to death immediately, I mean, does it really matter? I think you're kind of splitting hairs, right? At this point, yeah. Especially, as we find out later in the episode, Lord Larry's is known as, what, the the Inquisitor or the Questioner? Yeah. Yeah, so... I don't, I don't think I have it written down what, what it was, but yeah. Yeah, so with him as your fucking uh, toe tickler, I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. How, how, many, how many foot lines do you have written down? I actually have none. It's not coming off the top of my head. Um, oh, okay, just curious. So, I'm curious. I don't remember exactly, but do we go into the scene where Alan is in the courtyard trying to get away immediately after? Or okay, is that, so is that a little further the, down? So here, here's what we get. We got from that scene. We then had Eric and Arik. Uh, then we found out the whole Aegon having kids and the child fighting pit. Then we see Alan getting on his horse. He looks very concerned. But then we get another scene of him a little bit later. Uh, right now we're getting. Uh, after that, we get Aemon complaining about wasting his time looking for his idiot brother. Um, which it's a scene, but I mean, we—he's basically saying stuff that I think that most viewers already know. Then we get the lady that I don't know if we ever had the name that you know worked for the White Worm. Um, and then we have the Allen scene, which I think is what you were alluding to, where the guards <laughs> grab him. Well, yeah, Larry informs the guards that he's trying to escape, and he gets hauled off and questioned and murdered. Well, executed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I liked I liked the thing that Laris said. Uh, there's no reason those hours couldn't also benefit Otto. I enjoyed that line. Yeah, he's a worm, and I I mean I think the one reason why those hours couldn't benefit Otto is I don't think Otto's feet look anything like Allison's. I mean that's that's just a guess off the top of my head, but I I picture Otto having some really nasty feet. feet. I I picture most dudes in Westeros having like feet that look like like, like my feet, you know, like Hobbit, side, they're hairy, they're you know like calluses and ingrown toenails, you know, just not something you want to see out in public. Right? Yeah. Uh, no curved curvature of the nail. Yeah, all that fun grossness. Uh, I mean, especially since shit, I don't. I have no idea what they how they did for like toenail hygiene back then. I mean, I would imagine scissors were probably the closest thing that you got to something dedicated for that, if not like a knife. Oh God! So yeah, I mean, your nail is just scraping against your sock all day long. Oh, that's that sounds unpleasant. And I mean, boots are either going to be very soft leather, in which case it's not going to do much, or very hard leather, in which case you're going to be breaking it all the time. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Ugh. So, within, uh, within that batch of scenarios, we also get a scene between Alicent and Rainies, where... We, we get the Septus wrapping up this, Saris. Oh, quickly. okay. But... 
That was it. I mean, Allison yeah. looked very sad. Which the the one scene, yeah, she did look sad. I'll give her that. She did cry. And the one scene that Patty Considine's body was in, which enables them to put him in the credits, you know, to fool us when we're looking at stuff at the beginning of the season. Correct. Good uh, job, guys. So, again, you just let me let me know where we're going to next. I'll jump in with with my thoughts. Um. Sorry, I was busy coughing really loud. I did not hear a single thing you said. Oh, I said, you just let me know where we're going next, and I'll okay. pop in since I keep getting... Ra- rainies. Oh, get now we get the rainy scene. So go ahead. Bust your uh, anyways, it was a very basically minor scene between Allison and Rainies. Allison guesses, you know, everything that um, Renera offered Rainies uh, in order to get her to agree to the... Uh, support in episode eight. Uh, and then says, you know, what's, what's she going to do? She's going to die. She's going to take your family down with her, you know, support us. You'll be the head of, uh, you know, you get to choose what to do with your family and have the legacy. And between us, you should have been queen. And we know this, but you know, it didn't happen that way. So, you know, too bad. Yeah. Um, I had a good line, we do not rule, but we may guide the men who do. Um, look and see what else. Uh, she locked up Rainey's because Rainey's has the dragon. That was a... I, I almost wish they didn't do that because that could not have foreshadowed more. Um, cost of being queen, counting the cost to her people... Uh, and I like the line, you desire not to be free, but to make a window in the wall of your prison. Have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? That, that's my notes. Yeah, so a lot of back and forth between the two. Um, so next, where, do we, where the hell do we go next? Crispin and Amon still wandering, still wandering around. Otto meets up with Mysaria, and Kent is happy. And I forgot, did Crispin and Amon see them at this point, or is it the next scene when it's Big B, Big B and Little B? I I feel like they see them here, but... Yeah, I thought they saw them there and then kind of like stayed in the background to just yes. yeah, follow them. Yeah. So we get a meeting between Myceria and Otto, where I guess the White Worm finally meets the hand for the first time face to face. And which is a little bit weird because I thought early on they kind of established that he already was working well with it with the White Worm, but much to my surprise, he didn't, had no idea who she was. Yeah. So obviously, he's not anywhere near as good of a hand as Tywin was. Because Tywin would have known and had that shit shut down. Um, so she lets us on that, you know, she's she's not just in it for the money, but, you know, she wants to protect the people. He's like, hey, I'll give you Aegon. You know, I sequestered him so he wouldn't be injured, you know, after his carousing. But I want you to shut down all the fucking child uh, fighting and prostitution and victimization, basically, going on in King's Landing. The guards, flea the, the guards look the other way in Fleabottom. 
Did she give up too much here? I guess it depends on whether or not you believe that if you don't see a body, a person still has a chance to be alive in this series. Yeah, I, I don't know. They haven't. They they've established weird stuff with this series. So, um, I I really don't think she, like I think Otto. Not not to Otto. But in general, by putting herself out there, I, I obviously, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, yes. Uh, I like how Otto cleverly evades and he's like, well, I'll do what I can. You know, the, the hand doesn't have absolute power. Right. Yeah. Which was, it, that was pretty funny. Like, Otto was trying, he did what he could to play it. Uh, he played it well. Yeah. So she tells, after they agree to the deal, she tells the uh, lady to take Eric and Eric to uh, go find where they've hidden Aegon. And I'm, I think this is why they, they'd already seen, and Crispin and Aemon follow at that point. Yes. That's correct. They take them to the big church. The I forgot what the hell it's called. I don't know. Yeah. And um, the one that Cersei blows up. Right, right. And they've Aegon's been hidden in the... Basically, under the altar. And they pull him out, and he tries to run away, and then he tries to bribe them. I don't want to be king. Let me, let me go. I'll, you never saw me. Which leads to an eventual confrontation between A, the two brothers. What? I don't... Did you get which one was which? Alright, the... Uh... The one that... The one that begins with an A is the one who walks away. Arik. That rhymed. Yes. So. The, the big E... He 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 stays. Little A leaves. Big A stays. Big E stays. Big yeah. E. Big E. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, which causes well, also, even. Oh, go ahead. Did, I I mean, you know, watching Crispin fighting with Eric. I don't know. I'm starting to wonder. Like, is Crispin really that good of a fighter? Uh, well, you know, it's hard to know. I mean, we don't get much to see. I mean, we've got a lot, a lot to hear. But he is the only person that we've seen defeat Damon. So there, he's got that going for him. He, he does have that going for him. But then, like, Eric kind of got the better of him. Amon got the better of him. Like, I, I, we, we've not seen enough to have have a huge opinion it's just it, i find it weird that they had that early showcase for crispin defeating damon only to kind of you know portray him differently later on well i mean i have a feeling like the amond thing is more like let me not fight my hardest against the prince kind of shit and yeah like he has some trouble with eric but at the end he's the one who's got his blade to his throat so this is true. 
Uh, so they catch him, Aegon, and they bring him back to his mom. And she has a scene where she... I don't fucking remember. She yells at Otto? Don't. Yeah, she she uh, she finds Otto. He tells her, well played. Otto tries smoothing things over. Says their hearts remain as one. She says their hearts never were one. And, and she acknowledges that she's kind of been like a a pawn piece on the board getting moved around and sacrifices had to be made, kill a few, save a lot, reluctance to murder is not a weakness. And yeah, that scene. And then he did something that I, I don't know if it was creepy or maybe it was just me, but he tells her that when she's angry, she reminds him of, of her mother and just, yes, the way that incest happens in this fucking planet. Um, I was like, is he saying what I think he's saying, or am I just reading into it too much? Nope, that got uh, a a fully capitalized ha-ha-ha-ha from me in my notes after that line. And his follow-up line was, as you wish. Maybe he watches The Princess Bride? He may. I assume that they get good cable in, uh, in the Red Keep. I've got black bars on two and seven. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, that is uncomfortable. And is this then when we get to the infamous scene for the episode? Yep. So we we've known that Larry's has some uh, some heat on Allison for a while, and we finally uh, we finally see how she repays him. Well. They're sitting there talking, and she just um, takes her shoes off, uh, sits with her her feet up on the couch, and then begins to remove her stockings slowly and uh, sit there with her her feet aimed at him while he uh, watches it all, licks his lips, and then masturbates to her feet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I, this is one of those things you never could have quite exactly predicted coming, but damn if it didn't make all the sense in the world. So, it's, I mean, this shows the side of Allison that, um, you know, we hadn't really seen before. And She's willing to do things kind of like her father, but she keeps thinking that she's not like her father. Well, I was going to say more like she judged Renera and got pissed off at her for sleeping with Crispin, you know, but she's willing to, you know, let people masturbate over her specific body parts. And I don't know if there's anything going on with her and Kristen, but, you know, she alludes to it at one point in this episode when she says, you know, Kristen, I need you to do this for your love you bear for me. You know, not asking you officially, but because of that. I I kind of took that as they've done stuff, at least in the past. Yeah, I mean, so the whole reason that she got pissed off at Renera was for the lie that she did something like that. And then she's going and doing the exact same, if not, well, if not the same, similar behaviors. Uh, right. And yet maintaining that same anger that she felt towards her friend. 
So, I mean, it's just we're seeing a like a little bit of the hypocrite come out in this episode. Yeah. It's weird because there's so much good info in this that Laris drops on her. And I'm not saying that's all forgotten, but for the next few minutes that you're watching, it's all technically forgotten because you can't quite get that image out of your head. Yeah, uh, I mean, nope. It's, Cause, cause it's still there. It, it, I, like, I'm sitting there like I'm writing about the Web of Spies. You know, you got to feed the weaver and... You know, drops the bomb on Talia, and, you know, you gotta, you know, use this as an advantage, and take out the queen, and... Pardon my, pardon my, uh, my speaking there. Yeah, I I like, no, I like that when he says, remove the queen, and the the, uh, nest will die. Oh, pardon my speaking there, my, my queen. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah. Um... And then it was like he was in San Diego and just going jack off where the sun always shines. Yeah. I don't know if you got that reference or not. I, I didn't, no. Uh, it's a, it's from South Park, uh, jacking in San Diego. It's a lovely <laughs> episode and song. I believe it. So, uh, so, so yeah, he, yeah. he let slip that Masseria is the white worm and that she's been dealing info to her father and that her maids and who knows how many other people in the keep work for her. Um, and that is why I believe that Masseria gave way too much when she met with Otto in person, not the actual meeting with Otto, but because Larry's found out about it. Uh, so going on from that, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but, uh, where do we where do we head to next? Well, we head to Aegon looking absolutely miserable and then sinister and then contemplating. Um and then we get like all these like shots of people like Al and Rene everybody just kinda like waiting and then all of a sudden the Eric barges in to Rainey's room. And he's gonna get her out. We didn't see the uh, the brothel burn yet. I don't believe. No, that's coming up as they're walking away. Once okay, as they're walking. So yes, he goes to save Rainies. Gets her dressed up, and I find it funny that like you can still tell it's exactly her because nobody else wears their hair that high in Westeros. Correct. I mean... It was... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're walking through the streets trying to get her down to um, uh, a ship. A boat. She wants, yeah. she wants to go on her dragon, but he's like, no, you know, it's too dangerous. We'll get you to a ship so you can sail away and do whatever. Uh, yeah, wants to take her to Blackwater. Hello, references. Then they get separated by the crowd that's being pushed to go attend Aegon's coronation. And this is the point where we see the mysterious cloaked person walking away from the... From, okay, so I fully admit that I wasn't 100% sure what the building was. Uh, you know, I, I had to look it up just to double check to make sure I was right. Because I was like, I can't imagine what other building would be on fire. Now... 
I want to screw all momentum we have right now, and I want to ask you this simple question because I've had I had a very completely different take than me and Raylene was talking about this. All right, was that building set on fire because Otto was shutting the shit down with the kid fighting stuff, or was that the work of Laris shutting shit down? Because I think there's two different ways to look at that. That's the brothel, and it's not burning because Larry shut it down for her. Because the guy walking in the hood was one of the guys that Larry's cut the tongue out, who killed the Strongs up in Harrenhal for him. Okay, so basically, what you just said was music to my ears because that—that's a Kent was right answer. Yeah, sorry, Raylene. Kent was right. <sighs> Drink it in, man. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it, it would have been nice if it was the other thing, because then it would show that maybe Otto has a little bit of heart. But, yeah, no, I don't think he even really gave a fuck in the first place. I, not only that, I I think had it been the Otto thought process, I think it would have been, we would have seen that at a different time and place than during this particular scene. Yes, I agree. And it probably wouldn't have been, you know, a dude in a cloak. It would have been, you know, the actual guard doing right. something. Or, you know, maybe part of the army instead of the guard, since there's still two two gold cloaks who are loyal to Damon within the guard. Hell, I could have even seen, like, Eric doing it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we got this clusterfuck of that crowd street crazy and... We also learned that the name of uh, Rhaenys' dragon is M- Melise, I believe is how she pronounced it. Uh, that sounds about right. M-E-L-E-Y-S. That's a, yeah. And then we get like another several minutes worth of just like people being forced through King's Landing to head to the High Sept for the coronation. This was fantastic for me because I was in Feverland at this point and I hated taking notes. So, like, all this stuff, like, didn't require any notes. It was just people getting herded for, like, five minutes, it felt like. Yes, it really, it probably went on longer than it needed to. I think interspersed in here, we get a, a scene with um is, with Aegon and uh, uh, Allison, or was that the one we got yeah. right before it? Or she's talking. No, no. Or she's talking she's to him, like, and she's like, "Your dad finally chose you, and here, have the Valyrian steel dagger to prove it." Pretend to be to look grateful. I, I I like that. And then he's like, he drops the biggest sensible thought of this whole episode in in some way. He's like, "Father never wanted this. He had twenty years to do so, and if he wanted to, he would have done it by now." And it's still, Al, Allison still can't, like, unfuck herself from this attitude. But he's right. Like, if he really had the change of heart, he had all that time to do so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's just completely wishful thinking. Like, she's listening to an early 80s song and, like, being in the cult of wishful thinking. She definitely takes at least 30 more pictures than she needs to on the first day back to school. (laughs) If there's ever... Okay, I have two days that I hate on Facebook. 
the day the kids go back to school and Christmas Day where parents try like just showing how much money that they blew on their kids. I, I hate uh, those two days. I got you. I agree. Um, so we get to the coronation, and the coronation's actually pretty well done. I think it's a it's a pretty cool scene. Oh wait wait wait, we got one one last thing I, I forgot okay. to mention. Her line when she he's like, "Do you love me?" and she just replies, "You imbecile," was fantastic. Yeah, it, really, it really was a mom thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so I, based on our conversations, I knew this wasn't going to happen, but I am genuinely curious for people that don't know anything more about what to expect in the future. In my mind, I was like, oh, she just gave him the dagger. And I'm like, yo, if I didn't know any better, I would think that he's going to use this dagger to kill himself before he gets proclaimed king, and this would lead to Aemond, like... That would have been good storytelling in its own weird way, because he wanted an out. She gave him the dagger. I wonder if anybody else, like watching that has no clue, wondered the same thing. I bet there are people who who did, you know, um, just like uh, one of the questions you asked over one of the scenes coming up. Like, yeah, it would have made complete sense for it to happen the way you ask, but again, that would have been the end of the story you know no more fucking house of the dragon well i guess we could have had another time jump so we got a pretty cool um coronation and they give aegon the um the sort of aegon the conqueror i forgot what blackfire is that what it's called you know, that's something I don't have written down, but I gotta say, Aegon looked really good. Like, I don't like his hair game, but his hair game plus his attire kind of worked in some weird way. And then he starts thrusting the sword into the air, and I'm like, all right, you gotta work on your, your pose there, buddy, because it's... Yeah, it's wonky. It's, yeah, it's It looks like you've never held a sword before, and I know you've at least held one, because I watched you get the shit beat out of you by your nephews. Um... Uh, so during the coronation, Rainey's gets a chance to sneak away and she does. And you're like, Oh, okay, cool. She made it out, but nope. Uh, all of a sudden there's this huge fucking explosion. And I remember when it happened, my wife was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And, uh, you see just like stone flying in the air and dust and people. And then, Rainey's comes busting out of the fucking floor on her dragon, you know, whipping the shit out of the fucking crowd, you know, just murking all sorts of people, you know, commoners. Uh, the dragon walks up to the stage and roars at everybody. And like you asked in the blog, you know, if she had just said Dracarys and roasted everybody, would that have been the smart thing to do? Uh, I don't think anybody who saw that scene could say, no, that wouldn't have been the smart thing to do. I I can't imagine, but you know, I'm always looking for interesting uh, thoughts on things that I think are obvious. And sometimes you and Jim bring up something that I completely overlook, but uh, they go to close the doors and she's going to get locked in and she and her dragon managed to fly out through the doors and make it out. 
And that is basically the end of the episode, if I remember correctly. So we get a pretty badass scene. I mean, a good question that you bring up is how did she get into her armor down there? Or maybe it was Jim who brought that up. I don't know. Maybe they just have, you know, suits of spare dragon riding armor laying around near the dragons. We've never really seen what goes down on down in the dragon pit. Yeah, but, well, I mean, if they're going to have the armor, I assume that they would have uh, various sizes. So it makes some sense. Um, But yeah, that is a really good question. But it was a really cool scene and a cool way to end a decent episode. I mean, I'm really, again, like my biggest question for this episode is, is how did we get from the end of the previous episode to where they start? this episode in regards to people's locations. Right. Um, So here's the thing. Is because I, once again, uh, at this point, I'm watching this, I think it was Wednesday, and Wednesday was the last day that I was truly feverish. But on that day, I was very feverish. And I was like, I want to just watch something on my TV screen and I don't care what. And I was like reading about like some Game of Thrones stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go watch Game of Thrones. So I threw on the ninth episode, Baylor, which is the, you know, Eddard Stark's head getting removed episode. And yeah, that's a better episode than this episode. Um, much better. This was a weak ninth episode of a season by standards set by Game of Thrones, which may be unfair, but uh, I do think that fans come to expect something from a ninth episode now. And I, I mean, yeah, we had the cool dragon thing. Like, probably like the last ten minutes actually was pretty decent, but but making two thirds of the episode the search for Aegon, you know, like. Fucking, where's yeah. Waldo's shit here going on? Uh, and and again, it's like the whole thing that, that there's the reason there's even any sense of urgency is just so like, is his granddad going to slap him or is his mom going to chastise him? You know, that's literally the the fucking core crux of the uh, the difference between the two people looking for him. Like honestly. You could have just made this episode probably like 25 minutes long. You could have actually done more with Rhaenys' character this episode because, like, her and Allison had a great conversation. Uh, they could have done more with that. They, uh, I don't know. There was things... That, or, you know what? They've kind of run a little over on a couple episodes. Why not just spill some of that over into this episode? I, I don't know. This episode had a lot of useless stuff to me. So, again, I don't watch the previews for the next week's episodes, but I'm assuming we're going to get basically the opposite of what we got this week. Let's dish, girlfriend. In that it's going to be, like, the same time period, but the opposite side. And so we're not going to see too much going on in King's Landing. And it's going to be all about what's going on in Dragonstone and possibly um, uh, Drift fucking whatever. Driftmark? Yes, thank you. Driftmark. So, everything that you just said was kind of right, except it was wrong. Oh, okay. 
Um, basically, what it seems like uh, is that it's going to be exactly continuity from what we just saw. We're not going to get the other half of the story. We're getting Rainice reporting from Rhaenyra. Um, Eric comes. He pledges his allegiance. Um, Rhaenyra's boys, uh, Damon, like, well, Damon's like, yeah, it's time to go attack the Red Keep. And Luke and Jace are like, yeah, we want to go too. And there was just dragons, 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 dragons. And Amon has a look like, I'm going to fuck some fools up. So that's what we got going on. Oh, okay. So not exact. like, I would have anticipated what you did, but... Yeah, I wasn't wasn't expecting it to be, you know, the same time period, but basically just like, okay, just the Renera and Damon side of things. So, I mean, I'm guessing it's probably going to start off with Rainey's showing up and be like, hey, your dad's dead. Oh, and Allison's gone crazy. Like, that's probably like how the opening scene's going to be. Yeah, I can't. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Do you think? Well, hell, you you know. Do you do you know Rainice's fate? Yes. Can I expect to see her beyond this season? Because she feels like a good season finale death. Um. If you had to speculate, since they do change a little bit here and there. If I had to speculate, she's going to die. Well, it depends on how many seasons they do. Um, we'll say five. I feel like this is a five season. I, I really feel like it's like should be a three season show. Maybe even a two season show, but they're going to try to stretch it. If they stretch it to five, she's going to be like a season three early death. Okay. Okay, so she's gonna make. So if you had to, if you just had to guess for a named character to get got, do you, I mean, do you have any that you know for a fact for dies now? around this time? Yeah, none of them. So do you think we're gonna go and and have no big deaths like after Viserys in season one? Yes. Wow that that really would be underwhelming in in some way. Well, I mean, I mean, unfortunately, with such a small cast, we know when all of the people die. Yeah, that's this is, yeah, the, the, this is that's that's the problem with a prequel, especially with a prequel is. where you have stuff written out already, rather than you know like the prequel trilogy for Star Wars, where all you had to do was you know, Dark Darth Vader and Luke and Leia's mom had to get together somehow. Yeah, but the rest right, like, the rest of the story was open. You know, something yeah, like you, this you, where we already know X, Y, Z die because of A, B, and C, you know, at one, two, three times. Yes. This is it's a little frustrating, but um I, I guess it's okay. It's just I I do feel that fans are in some way, you know, we've come to want death. And that moves the story forward. Yeah. Maybe we got... Uh, you fucking you know, psychos. <laughs> we got spoiled by Game of Thrones. Like, hey, the only really good way to move a narrative forward is by death. Uh, who really died? Who died at the end of season one? Endgame? Yeah. 
Ned was was really the only Cause, one because he was episode nine, wasn't he? He was episode nine, yeah. Because I I did watch episode ten just because I had a feeling, and I was right. That was the first episode with Gendry. Was it? Yep. That's when uh, Arya gets her hair cut by. Was I think his name's Euron, which I barely remember that dude. Like, he's the guy that Ned's like basically trusted Arya with. Yeah, he was one of the White Wall. He was the 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 Wall people. The fucking forgot what the hell they're called. Night Watch. Yeah, he was a Night Watchman who was. Uh, he had come down to King's Landing looking for recruits, and you know, like Robert had been putting him off instead of giving him people, and so Ned ended oh, up giving okay. him, you know, a handful of people, not you know, not as many as they needed, but he was grateful because of that. So uh, he agreed to help get Arya out when the shit went down. Okay, yeah, that makes but a lot of sense. Didn't like- we meet Gendry for just a second earlier in the season when Ned was doing the investigation and went over to the blacksmith's place? Oh, and when he when he right. saw Gendry, that was when he put together what was actually going on. Yeah, because he Cause talked about how Robert used to guy's name. Robert used to come visit him and John Aaron. Yeah, there you up. go. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So I like my version of it better because I was in fever coma. However, Fantasyland. I will go along with you. And seasons after season one did condition us to get ready for character deaths. I mean, we really didn't need anything. We needed the aftermath of Ned, which we got plenty of. I mean, we did have a lot of death technically in the in the tenth episode because Rob's just like, yeah, we'll sacrifice two thousand soldiers just to fool Tywin. Yeah, and did any of the Night Watch die in that episode, or was it just them leaving at that point? Just them leaving. Okay. And gosh, Sam is such a I mean, I remember Sam was such a pussy back then, but like he's such a pussy. It's great. I, I really I like how they evolved him. Yeah, I like Sam a lot. They did a good job with him. Uh, so I all in all this episode's definitely on the weaker half of, of the season for me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there were things I liked. Like, I, I liked the council, but the questions that needed to be answered that didn't get answered, you know, just for how the setup worked. And then, like, the fucking scavenger hunt in the middle of it. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I hope that they end strong enough to make fans care enough to tune in whenever they do return probably 2024 i'm guessing it would probably be a good guess you know early uh, just figuring out the way that they film this stuff usually i want to say probably like a 15 month turnaround between seasons hey as long as it's not october again i'll be happy jesus man this has been a fucking busy month uh-huh so yeah. Uh, do you think we'll have confirmation of Corliss's death in the next episode? Because I think that's probably the closest thing to a death we're going to get. Um, I don't know. I thought he was already basically, for all intents and purposes, almost dead. And then 
she brings up that he's still alive in bad health. So, yeah, he, he's alive in bad health. I, I just feel like maybe that's going to be their quote unquote big death. I, I think. We're going to get a quick scene where Corliss dies. I mean, I love how, like, they were already fucking arguing the succession while he's still alive. You know, just, I'm not dead yet. I got better. You know, that, that's got to be, like, diminutivizing. I don't know if I said that right, but, like, you're still alive, and then people are just like, yeah, who's going to replace this dude? <laughs> Viserys had to deal with that for like what the last twenty years. Twenty years of his life, he's like, "Hey, still here, still king." I, no, okay. I'll, I might you guys just argue. I might be missing a hand, but I feel fine. Well, he just went out and got a new hand, and then that hand died. And then he got a new hand, his old hand. I would lose a foot, but I think Larys would take it with him. Ha. <sighs> All right, here's another bold question. Will we ever fully see what Laris's club foot looks like without socks on? I, uh, I'm i not too sure on that. I think we will. I think that's going to be one of those things that they show us, like, really, really give us an up-close-and-personal touch with, like, in Season 2 or 3. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I just... Uh... I could see people arguing that that's like uh, being provocative for, you know, uh, ableist kind of shit. I don't know. In this day and age, everybody will argue about anything. So, yeah. So do we want to do the, uh, do we want to do the card now or do we want to do the card next episode? Uh, or well, do I get two cards because we're doing two episodes, you fucker? That that seems that seems completely fair uh, to me. So, <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, Kent. Uh, because I mean it's your birthday, so you know. Uh, all right, I am surrounded by garbage because I have not been doing a damn thing. All right, is this new? All right. Uh. Good lord. I feel like I've already asked this. Let me dig. Alright. Here's a random card that I have not looked at. Alright. Name five horror movies that begin with the letter H. Halloween. Hostel. Uh. Shit. <laughs> oh, do, I, do I want to go the easy route? No, I, go? I will not accept sequels. But you're missing uh, two big franchises, quite frankly. Um, give me a second. And then one of the cooler, scary movies that came out in the late 90s with Marilyn Manson music. Uh, okay, so we've got The Haunt... Well, does The count? No. Okay. Just, so, if you want, are you going to Haunting or the, House? I was going The Haunting, and then I was going to go The House on Haunted Hill, because those both, I believe, came out in the same year. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, think of something that isn't just like another house or... Oh, House. House, yeah. yeah. I was waiting for you yeah. just to kind of stumble upon that one. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I did it. Uh, you, you did it while completely ignoring Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. Seriously, Jesus. <laughs> and Hatchet. 
I've never seen Hatchet. I, I was just the, the basically. Wasn't that produced by WWE? Hatchet? No. Are, you're thinking I've seen No Evil. You're right. I am. But shit, who did? Oh, is it Kane Hodder who did Hatchet? Kane Hodder, Robert Englund's in okay, it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was thinking I've seen No Evil. So, well, see, yeah, that's why I never think of Hatchet. All right. This one's really tough. A typewriter, a bed, and a sledgehammer. 1990. Uh, misery. All right. Huh. As of 2015, what is the only horror film to win the Academy for Best Picture? Shit. Is it? If it's not Exorcist, I'm going to fucking feel... I, th- I have a feel it's either got to be Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby. Wrong. Wrong. What movie? Hannibal Lecter. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Shit. Yes, I knew that. Let me, there's a, let me tell you a little story about that before you go on. Yep. My grandmother and my grandmother's neighbor, Marguerite, were like, oh, we're hearing so much good, good press about this movie silence of the lambs let's go see it that's all you know it's up for an academy award that's all they knew about it before they went and watched it <laughs> yeah so i remember that then getting out i was like oh so how's the movie guy she was like oh my god <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> that's fantastic all right all right next one next question I don't think you can get this, but maybe. Uh, name the actor who played Dr. Henry Frankenstein in both Frankenstein 1931 and Bride of Frankenstein 1935. I don't even know this guy. Uh, Yeah, no. Go ahead. Give, just give it to me. Colin Clive. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, phew, all right. Teenagers begin to die at the hands of a killer obsessed with scary movies in this 1996 deconstruction of the horror genre that we have talked about on this podcast ad nauseum. Scream. And there we go, ladies and gentlemen. He got uh, three. Three out of five. I'll take that 60. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then... That, uh, I guess, will wrap us up on uh, House of the Dragon, Episode 9. Yes. The Green Council. And uh, if you're, I mean, obviously you're not going to be right with us because we have to film these and, well, tape these and then put them up. And you're not part of the process. But uh, if you're following along, we'll be right back with Episode 36, talking about the Mummy franchise with Brendan Fraser, not... All of the old mummies with, like, Boris Karloff or the new one with Tom Cruise. Anyways, uh, yeah, I had fun with this one, Kent, but it could have definitely been a better episode. Yeah, my biggest regret was not eating a foot-long sub while watching it. All right, see you later, Internet. See